0: Have you ever noticed this? It's lots of people say they believe in Jesus and they call themselves Christians, but few really live like Jesus lived and do what Jesus did. Few walk like Jesus walked. When Jesus called his disciples to himself, he kind of said, walk with me, do what I do. I'll empower you by my Holy Spirit after I'm gone to walk with me, to live like me, to keep my commands. That's what it means to be a disciple, a learner, a follower of Jesus. And Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples, followers of Jesus who walk with with Jesus. So this fall, we're going to do a series of messages very practical and specific about how you can move beyond just saying you believe in Jesus to actually walking with Jesus being a follower of Jesus, keeping the commands of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Super practical messages with a follow-up through uh, little clusters of Christians that are devoted to following Jesus. That's what's going on this fall, so I hope you don't miss a single week of the series Walk With Me. There you go. How'd you like my little selfie video there? Yeah, I heard you laughing at me. I heard you. So this fall I decided, uh, back in the summer, I decided I trying to be in good health and I decided I would walk every single day from, from then until my birthday. It's been really, really good. And I decided in order to hold myself accountable that I would, every day on Facebook or on Instagram, I'd tell people I'm walking Which has been cool because people have been encouraging me a lot, a lot more than I even realized that they would. Some of my walks, during that time we got to visit in Oregon. So some of my walks were on the Pacific, which was amazing. But we have a great neighborhood to walk in. And so I've been walking every day. And what's really kind of neat is now I'm hearing from people who are saying, man, you inspired me. Now I'm walking. Some of you I'm looking at, you've been walking for miles. You could walk circles around me. Um, and that'd be weird, wouldn't it? Walking in a circle, but but uh, but man, it's been it's been really good for me. And that's just my physical body, so that my so that hopefully I last a long time, and I can tell lots of people about Jesus, and I can help influence my kids and grandkids. But we all have a never dying soul, and that should be healthy, right? And the only way for that to be healthy, the only way for us to be right, the only way for us to really live the way God intended for us to live, is to walk with Jesus, is to be followers of Jesus. And so the series, here's how it's going to work. This series of messages is going to go from now until the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Sunday before Thanksgiving will be a Thanksgiving message. It'll go to the Sunday before that. And here's what we're going to do. Now, we're going to have three messages that basically are going to follow that, come, grow, serve. We're going to explain that from the Bible real carefully. Why do we have those big banners there? Why is our website kind of built around that? Why does your bulletin always have that? And we're going to describe why that is. And we'll have a message for each of those. They'll be very practical and helpful for you to understand that. What does it mean to, what does it really mean to walk with Jesus? That's what this series is about. What did Jesus mean when he said, come and follow me? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it actually look like? And how can I do it? And how can I know when I am doing it? That I really am a follower of Jesus. So it's basic. And we'll have a message for each one of those. But what you're going to see is that when Jesus invited his disciples to follow him, and the key text here today is obviously going to be Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to the end of the chapter. That's what we're going to study today, Matthew 28, 16 and following, because that's the part where Jesus specifically gives his instruction that we call the Great Commission that we who are followers of Jesus are still obeying today. It's so what it's all about as a church, why we're here as a church. We actually have a mission statement that goes way back in our church. The mission statement, by the way, Jesus was the, the one who began all mission statements, right? And the mission statement comes from Matthew 28:16 to the end of the chapter. And it is to glorify God by making disciples, by going and finding an other being a follower of Jesus and getting other people to follow Jesus to glorify God in that way. And and, and it's a little bit more nuanced in our wording. It's like here and abroad. That's what we do in missions. That's what we do locally. We're, We're people who are walking with Jesus. We're people who are following Jesus, and we're getting other people to follow Jesus. That's it. It's that simple, right? So we're going to talk about that. The come and the grow and the serve will be three of those messages. But you'll notice that when Jesus, and we'll get to it in a minute, we'll notice that in that passage in Matthew 28, One of the things Jesus says is, teach them to observe my commands. And this is just really critical. Because in that, Jesus actually explains in the simplest terms what it really means to be a disciple. A disciple is a person who's a follower of Jesus. A person who believes in Jesus to salvation then they have the Holy Spirit, right? And they obey the commands of Christ. They live in obedience to the commands of Christ under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a person who's a follower of Jesus who obeys the commands of Jesus. And we get that definition right out of Matthew 28. That's, it's nothing more than that. It's nothing less than that. It's super simple. We'll talk about that a bit. Now, so, for the rest of the series... There going to be about seven more weeks after we finish those three parts. And those weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to take seven of the many commands. Bible scholars have different ways of counting how many commands of Christ there are. And their commands or implied commands in the New Testament could be upwards of near 300. But if they're categorized carefully, usually Bible scholars land somewhere around 50 and I thought 50 might be a bit of a long series for you and that I might lose your, you know, your, your attention. You're a little ADD, you know. And so I figured maybe I should shorten that up a tad. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give about seven of those and they'll serve as examples. You'll be able to do the rest. Get into the Bible. Find the command of Christ. Learn to obey it in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to, that's what the series is about. So it should be super practical, super helpful, and really, really simple and direct. A lot of times we're tempted to put a bunch of knowledge in our brain and then kind of like, say, I have all this knowledge in my brain, kind of brag to ourselves or to others that we know a lot about the Bible. And it's really great. If you're going to know something about anything, know a lot about the Bible, that's great. But you know, it doesn't really matter how much we know about the Bible. What matters is how much of what Jesus said is embedded in our life. What are we, who, who are we and how do we live? And do we keep the commands of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit? That's really what, that's really what matters. And so we're going to talk here about what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And I want to show you five things this morning from Matthew chapter 28 verse 16. Let's take a look at Matthew 28:16. I'll just show you these five things. I think they'll be helpful and they'll be useful. And then we're going to emphasize this come. Why are we say? Why do we say the first step in the discipleship process is come? What does that mean? Verse 16 of Matthew 28 says, "Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them." We're jumping into the middle of a story, aren't we? So Jesus had appointed a mountain in Galilee. Remember, Galilee's in the north. Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem, which was in the south. This is the end of the Gospel of Matthew. So what we're in here is what we call, is some of the richest parts of the Bible, called the post-resurrection appearances. This is a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. So that'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. This is Jesus, after he died, was crucified and tortured and died and buried, and three days later rose again, and he says, and he has an appointment. And he's going to meet them in Galilee on the mountain where he had appointed. Whatever mountain this was, I got a chance. Lois I got a chance to be on some mountains in Galilee. That's something I will never forget. Now when I read this passage, I always imagine standing there and seeing the Sea of Galilee. And imagine Jesus being there alive, right, after he had died. And now he's going to tell him something and then the book is going to end. Would you agree this is going to be an important part? So, it's, so, so this is what's happened. When they saw him, they worshipped him. In the Bible, what that means is they got down on their face. They got, but some doubted. Naturally, some would, right? Are you kidding me? It's like, some doubted. Jesus came, and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. So here are the five things that I want you to see here. First of all, being a follower of Jesus, being a disciple, follower of Jesus, is simple. It's simple. We overcomplicate this terribly we have curriculum, we have things. this is what it means to be a disciple. You got to memorize all this. You got to do all this. You know, you got to apply, you got to fill out application papers. That's not the way Jesus did it. It was just simple. He said it in just a few words. I just love that about Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus is not a complex thing. Now, I didn't say it was easy, but it's simple. It's simple. It's important that we understand that. Here's why. In our church, What are we doing? We're trying to be disciples and make disciples. If we make it complex, we're all going to, it's like, you know, complex stuff. We tend to set it aside and we don't do it. Simple things that get kind of, they become organic. They become natural to us. There's stuff that we can do. This is the way the Jesus followers were. When Jesus is on this mountain and he says this to them, you know, they're not taking notes, right? I mean, somebody obviously recorded that, but it's not basically something you need to take notes about, it's simple. He's looking them in the eye. The breeze is blowing, and there's flowers that are, that are growing, and there's birds in the air, and you can, you know, you can smell the sea on the air. And, and he's talking to them, and, he's, and he's, he's saying, I want you to be followers of me. Go into all the world, baptize them, like you were baptized, you believed, you were baptized, and then teach them to observe all the commands, which include the command to make disciples and observe all the commands. It's simple. It's simple. And that's how we ought to see it. Now, having said that, there's a second thing you need to know, and that is, it's impossible. It's simple, but it's impossible. Now, this is why Jesus says here, notice it says, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, and this is just a little short word, right? Three verses, parts of three verses. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, why did he start that way? Here's two reasons why he started that way. Number one, he's saying, the, this the main thing is this. This special word for authority is the word for power, and it's especially used for spiritual power. He's saying, "I have the spiritual power. You're going to go into all the world, and you're going to face spiritual opposition." This was the crucified, risen Christ who's speaking, and he's saying, "I have all authority over all those demonic." forces. And when you read the epistles of the New Testament, you see, like Ephesians is an example, that when they took the gospel to these other places, the devil just hated that. Like he didn't want you to come to church today, right? Like you lost a shoe that you don't lose on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. You'll lose your shoes on Sunday morning because the devil hides shoes on Sunday morning. That's how it works. He does not want you to be here. There's going to be spiritual opposition The first reason that Jesus said, I have all authority, is because he wanted to encourage them that when they took the gospel, they were going to be wading into spiritual warfare, but they had the power of God with them. There's a second reason, though, obviously, and that is, this is a command, right? We're going to get into that in a second, but he's giving them a command. And so, when he he says this, he's saying, I have authority over demons and I have the right to tell you what to do. Now we don't like this because we like to feel like we're kind of independent and all of that, but we're really not. We're not at all. It is impossible for us to be like Jesus unless miraculous things happen all the time to us. We have to be saved. That's a miracle. Right, we have to come to faith in Jesus Christ alone, and we wouldn't do that on our own if Jesus hadn't drawn us to Himself. And so there's the miracle of conversion, and then there's a series of miracles that happen that we call sanctification, like the process of growing. They're, those are miracles too, and they're miracles by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's why we say, "What is the definition of a disciple? Is a believer who obeys the commands of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit." So you recognize that He's the one that stimulates you to obey. He's the one that empowers you to obey. It is simple, but it's impossible without the supernatural power of God. So you got to have the supernatural power of God. So chill, okay? So you're sitting there going, i got to do this, i got to do this. No, you got to want to do this and let God do it in you. You step, you step forward in obedience, recognizing there's only so much that you can do. He has to empower that. When we talk about finding other people and helping them become followers of Jesus, well, that doesn't just happen unless miracles happen. That doesn't happen unless the Holy Spirit touches somebody's heart. People don't naturally follow Jesus. They naturally just serve themselves. They're more idolaters at heart. It's, takes, it's a miraculous thing that he stirs up. And so it's impossible. Notice the third thing about it is it's essential. And this kind of goes with the other one. And that is Jesus didn't say, here's an option for you. Now, you, say, you may say, Pastor, the way that you got this whole thing laid out with the come, grow, serve, and you always talk about that, I'm not sure I get that. I said, okay, fine. It's okay if you don't. But it's not okay if you don't follow Jesus. Does that make sense? It's not okay. He made you. You answer to him someday. If he said, go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them and teach them my commands, you don't have the option of obedience None of his commands are optional. They're commands for Pete's sake, right? If Jesus gave us a command, then we have to. So, this is the way it works for us. It's like, like, you know, one example in the Bible, not a direct command of Jesus in the Gospels, but, but a secondary you know, command, not less important because it's in the epistles, is like, I'm just thinking about this one, our anniversary is this week. Love, love, husbands, love your wives. All right, well, that's fun to do, and it kind of comes naturally. And other days, I'm pretty selfish. Other days, I'm not thinking about loving my wife. I'm thinking about, well, me, and what I want to do, and where I want to go, and what I'm thinking, and I realize, wait a minute, I'm a follower of Jesus. The Bible says you love your wife. That, that, that's a binding command on me. Now, you think that's a good command or a bad command? All the married people go, good, it's good, yeah. Well, of course it's good. You know, it's like, how are you going to do? If you're married and you don't love your wife, how's that going to work for you? Really bad. I'll just tell you that. I've seen that. It doesn't work well. You know, it really doesn't. A couple things I noticed, you know, with Max Hammer passing away recently, and now with, uh, with Phil Weeks. Both of their widows, hard word to say, isn't it? Both of their widows were grief-stricken and broken about their death. They're like, we don't know what we're going to do without them. They did, so, they did so much for me. They loved me so much. I, was so, I admire those men so much because their wives were happy. Command of Jesus is love your wives. Make your wife happy. Treat your husband in an honorable way. Show honor to your husband. It's like commands of the Bible. These are binding. They're not optional. They're essential. They're not just that God says you have to do them. They're the way he made us. If you want to know how how you function, look at the commands of Christ. He created you, and these are like your operating instructions. Don't violate those and think your life is going to go good. They are essential. Okay, so you get that? There's another thing, and that's, here's the way I to put it. It's a team sport. Notice what it says here. He says, uh, they saw him. He said, the eleven went to Galilee, uh, to a mountain appointed for them. It's plural. They, them. When they, plural, saw him, they worship him. It's plural. We kind of tend to tr- mistranslate everything to, like, it's to me personally. But that's not how most of the New Testament is written. Most of the New Testament is written to groups of Christ followers, and there's a good reason for that. I'll explain it in a minute. Notice it says, he says, all authority is given me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Amen. He gave this to a group. He gives it to clusters, to teams. It's a team sport. Now, why is that? Because no one of us has all the skill set to do what needs to be done, right? Some are servers, some are speakers, some are mercy, some are organizers. I so admire those kind of like organizer guys that can just organize everything. And, and then when, when we all work together as a team, we can obey the Great Commission. We can find and make other followers. But if we think this is a, a one-man operation... It's not going to work well because it's not given to individuals, it's given to teams. Now that, that brings us to this come thing, we'll explain it here in a minute, but come, obviously we say, we say come to Christ, so we begin by becoming a follower of Christ, but that come means a lot more to that in this discipleship process. It really is about what we're doing right now. Like you look at the come, think about really Sunday morning church. Look at the grow, think about a grow group or a prayer partnership or a small group. And look at the serve, you can think about hundred different ways that you can roll up your sleeves and get going for God. But look at the come. Come as you come here. Now, why is that important? It's essential. It's, in, it's in the initial thing. Jesus died for the church word often used in the Bible, ecclesia, it means a called out assembly. In other words, the church by definition is an assembly of people that get together and worship Jesus. They sit under the sound of his word. They obey the ordinances. They give gifts. When you come on Sunday morning, it's not an optional thing. It's a command. People let flourish spiritually. People never flourish spiritually who don't faithfully attend church. And we're living in a time now where church attendance is getting real super casual. People kind of come a lot of times. No, you're here. Glad you're here. People often come when they don't have other better stuff to do. Or, you know, and, and so a lot of times a guy will sacrifice his whole family because he gets into fantasy football. And a certain time of the year, you just won't see that guy. Or you, you prioritize other things. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus who died for the church, you assemble because that's what it means to be church. It's extremely important. The way we do that here is we have a a Lord's Day morning meeting. Most people can make that that aren't involved in works of necessity and so forth. We have a Lord's Day morning meeting where we have corporate worship. We have a Lord's Day morning meeting where we have singing, where we have the teaching of the Word of God, where where we give gifts, and we encourage one another in that. And a follower of Jesus goes to that meeting every week unless he is providentially hindered from doing so. Now, that's essential. In other words, when when we as church leaders look at the Scriptures and say, what is essential to being a follower of Jesus? One of the first things we say is, they go to church faithfully, regularly, as a conviction. And like you're out of town, find another group of Christ followers to join and join with them. If your ox is in the ditch, that's fine. If you're very ill or something, we, you know, God understands that, you know. But here's the way I look at it is sometimes, you know, every week this is kind of my job. So you could say, well, would you do this if you weren't, you know, paid to do it? And, when, and, and often when I'm not here, I, I'm actually preaching somewhere else because I just like to do that. But, but I will tell you that there are, are a number of times in my life. Of course, there were many, 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 many times in my life before I was a pastor when I was young. And, and other times when it was a special opportunity for me to say, to show my love and my devotion to Jesus. I love you, and I'm going to show up with your people, and I'm going to worship you with those people. And that's what I'm going to do. That's essential. That's the come part. That's the first part of it. In the other weeks, we'll talk about what it means to, to grow and to serve. But notice in this text that, that we have from Matthew about being a follower of Jesus, that being a follower of Jesus is simple. It's it's impossible. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's essential. It's a command. It's a team sport. And here's the other thing that I want to say about it: is it works? It works. Now, in in ministry, like in church work, you know, it seems impossible. It's overwhelming to reach people who don't know the Lord and to help them be followers of Jesus. It just seems overwhelming. There's all kinds of stuff you can read about. There's seminars that you can go to. There are books that you can read. You can just make it way too complex. But there are a cluster of things the Bible says to do, and we got to remember that they work. This is what Jesus said. You don't really have anybody, nobody wrote anything better than what Jesus wrote about being a disciple, right? And there you have it very simply. You know, when we say about how do you go and you find somebody and you introduce them to Christ, how do you do that? We have a little system that we talk about, you know, the the pray, love, invite gospel conversation. We call it Operation Evangelical. It, it's our evangelistic uh, 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 it's, our, it's our evangelism system, if you will. We try to teach people, all the, all the members, all the people who regularly come here that are followers of Jesus should have in their mind a list of people who don't know the Lord yet. And you should always care deeply about that. And you should pray all the time about those people. That's number one. And then, the, then from the prayer, you should find things to do to love them. Creative things. How you don't love Well, how, that depends on what you have to give. It depends on who you are and what you like. So I'm looking over here and I see Judy and I have no permission to say this. But Judy is a watercolor artist. And on Facebook this week, I saw one of her beautiful fall paintings. And I coveted this painting, you know. And it's just beautiful. It was uh, up in the pinky, somewhere up in northern Michigan, right? near there, Kalkaska or something. What a gift, I thought. What a gift. It, I don't know anybody else who does that. I'd like to do that. Maybe some of you are artists. She's just got that unique gift. You have a unique gift. God has uniquely gifted you to do something other people can't do. And he, and you don't have to go be me, God forbid, right? You don't have to be me. You don't have to be Judy. You got to be you for Jesus' sake. And and embedded in how can you use what God gave you and how God made you and how he wired you and what you love for the cause of Christ to tug other people Godward. That's the love. You love them that way pray, love, and the power of invitation. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but we have a guest with us today. We actually have two guests. We have probably more than that, but I'm thinking of two right now. I don't have permission to say their names or anything, but one of our members was excited about the church and invited them, and then they came, and they brought guests with them today. Would you listen to me? If you would like to have an eternal influence for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, invite people. It's that simple. We just don't do it. Will it work? Yeah. If we work it. Problem is not it won't work. Problem is we don't do it. Will praying work? How many of you believe that prayer will work? It's always going to work. No matter what culture of the world, prayer is going to work. No matter what time we are, no matter how bad the apostasy is, if anything works, prayer is going to work. So we pray. How about that love piece? When does that stop working? What culture doesn't recognize love? Will love work? Listen, answer the question. Will love work? Love will always work. Love never fails. It, It will always work. Prayer will always work. Love will always work. Inviting people to beautiful Jesus will always work. And having gospel conversations, explaining the way of life, giving directions to heaven to people will always work. Will we work it is the real issue. I want to challenge you again to go back to this and say, this is what I believe in. Simple following Jesus, walking with Jesus, obeying Jesus. We have somebody we love very much who's who's in a very, very, very difficult time in their life. A very, very, it's a little girl, and she's in a really, really troubled home. I'm not going to describe it to you. It's too painful to describe. And this little girl has a spiritual interest. But in her home, that spiritual interest does not get fed. It does not get met. It does not even get addressed. It's a very difficult home. And our hearts are broken about this, and we're burdened about this, and we pray about this. So she goes off to school this week. One of those secular schools, you know? One of those godless secular schools. And she goes to this godless secular school. And her teacher comes to visit the house. Knocks on the door. Grandma comes to the door. Godless secular school teacher. Can you tell I'm kidding around about that? Is standing at the door. And she says, gives this little girl's name. and says, so-and-so's in my class this year. I don't live very far from here. And I just wanted to make a home visit. I wanted you to know I'm a Christian. And I'm a pastor's wife. And if she needs anything, please tell her that I'll do anything for her. And if she needs a ride to school, I drive right by here. And I can pick her up. When I heard that story, do you think for one minute I thought that was just a strange circumstance? Of course it wasn't a strange. That was was orchestrated by God. Here's a Christian lady who's a public school teacher who wants to influence people for Christ. Had the sensitivity on the first or second day of school to recognize the spiritual and, and the social need that this little girl had. Went to her house, offered herself. That's what I'm talking about, people. I'm talking about whoever you are and wherever you live and whatever you do. And however God has gifted you saying, I'm not just living an independent life, kind of doing my own thing. I am a follower of the one who is Jesus Christ, the lover of all men. I am a follower of Jesus with a story on my heart that can totally change their lives. That's pretty exciting. Wouldn't you agree? I for, I, for one, am going to walk with Jesus all the days of my life, and I hope that you will too. We're going to talk in these next few weeks about exactly how to do that, and I'm super excited about that.